Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. CryptoTalk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, starts our recording somewhat later. My name is Leister. I'm your host. Welcome if you're new. I am purposely recording this slightly later as something was brought to my attention and I saw some videos about it, didn't think twice about it and then stumbled across a different article. And then that kind of wrapped everything together and said that it was worth talking about. Now, I don't know if there's anything to this. I don't have the full impact, I guess I should say, I haven't done a full impact analysis of it. So I'm going to high level cover what I see. I think some people will be intrigued. Some people will be rightfully terrified. If if I were you, I would be a little bit concerned, but who knows? There could be something to it. I know the young kids out there are going to be loving it. It is what it is. Let's go ahead and jump right into our numbers. Just to look at the charts, uh, cryptocurrency is in a middling state right now, and I'm going to be focusing hot and heavy on the total market cap across cryptocurrency as I cover these numbers, but just to give it a high level here, I'm looking at Bitcoin first. I'm using Coindesk.com. If you want to follow along, and I zoom out on the month chart, and I start, I started seeing a little bit of a change midday. We had a low 29,000, high 29, just shy of 29.4, with a downward trend, a strong downward trend. Although it is middling, so what I'm saying is, is that it's not crapping, but it's a downward trend, as in it's not going up at least. Meanwhile, on Ethereum side, it's been a low of 18.46 and a high of 18.66. In strong middling state is Ethereum. It is not trending downward. It actually has a stronger hold than what Bitcoin has. Same with XRP, although XRP is down a few, like 10 cents, 12 cents or some odd from the run-ups shortly after the case where SEC got schooled and it's holding very strong, low of 67 cents, high of just shy of 72 cents, holding at about 70 cents is actually good. Stability is important when I look at the numbers. But there's some notable things to pay attention to with everything going on. And this is where I'm going to start talking about the total market cap across cryptocurrency. 
the total market cap across cryptocurrency for the longest time has held state roughly around $1.21 trillion. We've not gone excessively higher than that. We've not gone significantly lower than that. $1.21 trillion has been the holding pattern. Currently, it's roughly about $1.18 trillion. So some money flew out of cryptocurrency. When you start, so I'm, I'm actually giving you a call to action here. That is to pay very close attention to the total market cap because when you see the total market cap dwindle to significant degrees or even partial degrees, that's going to give you a measure of where we're going in terms of price direction. If we get back to the 1.2 or 1.21 trillion, you're going to start seeing some pumps that usually are opportunities to take some profits, but they may not necessarily represent a strong upward trend but it's a chance to make some money. And I do encourage you to take advantage of it if you get those chances. Certain of these core coins that I keep referring to then are gonna give you stronger opportunities for profit than other ones. For example, Maker, which of course is MakerDAO, has been trending strong up. You're about double up if you bought at its base when it hit like 600 bucks a little while ago. You're about double up from where it was. So good money is to be made in some of these tokens, some of these coins, but timing is gonna be key because I still don't feel we're at a so-called bull run yet. Some of the coins are bucking the trend. So just pay attention to certain ones. If you have a diverse portfolio, I think it's to your advantage. If you're a gambler on the coins that are crap, you know, that's up to you. But I am saying regardless of whether you're a gambler on the crap or you play around with the good ones, just time it, learn to time it, keep an eye on the total market cap. It's gonna guide you where things are going to go in the future. We'll breeze through a couple of news bits. One of them I'm going to focus more attention on than the rest. The first is about XRP, which is believed to be currently oversold. Of course, it had a major run-up shortly after the court case. People came out and said, yeah, but the problem is XRP is minting, 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 and you're printing, 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 and that's not doing us any good. So XRP, of course, is in a middling state. It's, it got its pump, and it went down, and I mentioned on a past episode i didn't think it was going to go significantly up some people were talking about ten dollars and hundred dollars i mean come on now ripple xrp itself the whole concept is around payments fast payments when the government the united states government comes out with their announcement about fed now which is to modernize bank communications for transactions to allow them to happen instantly and 24 7 instead of the current that basically requires the bank to be open and can only happen during banking hours this then caused the shift. Okay, do we really need the, what XRP is offering at all? Or can we use this over here? And then the second conversation was, does Fed now open the door for a CBDC? Of course, what the government would say is that this has nothing to do with digital currency. This is all about payment processing, really designed to be a competitor to the Zells of the world and the cash apps of the world, which I actually celebrate and support because I think those tools are crap because all they can do is just block your funds anyway. You're not getting away from the risk that your funds are taken from you. Of course, me, I'll tell you that cash is king and I would never deal with those apps if I can avoid it. I actually had, just to tell a quick story, I actually had my own mom sign up for cash app and she did the whole thing where, you know, add some contacts and they'll get five bucks or whatever that crap is. And I'm, you know, I kind of sit and watch, you know, and I'm not saying nothing because the thing is when you do that, when you're giving away people's emails and all that stuff, all you're doing is setting people up to get your stuff breached. So if you're going to do that, cool. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing those apps. We could do a cash transaction and make it make a deal and make it go away. And we're all good. 
If I have to do bank transactions, it'll be a wire transfer if you need it right now. Otherwise, it'll be an ACH if you can wait till tomorrow. It is what it is. Simple, clean, none of the garbage. Or I'll just write you a check, which, of course, never is declined, never blocked. You don't get that fraud, block, crap. I mean, I'm going on a rant. So anyway, XRP, back to XRP. XRP has been believed to be oversold. Of course, if it's oversold, fresh off the SEC case, people expect that there's going to be a significant sell-off to come, that we're going to see some more downward trends as people are going to sell off what they bought. So they bought in, they FOMO'd, they FOMO'd, they FOMO'd, now we got so much, now people are taking significant amounts of profits, and that we're going to see bears who are looking for lower opportunities, as in there's people who actually do want to buy into XRP, but they don't want to buy at the current price. They want to try to cause a run-up from a lower price point. The reason I bring this one up, of course, is that XRP is the one that has the significant volatility. XRP has the focus separate from Ethereum. People are believing that XRP is an opportunity to be one of those that goes upward to a significant degree like Ethereum did at one point in the past. Whether that's true or not, I can't say. I am saying that it is worth keeping an eye on, if nothing else, because XRP has been in the limelight, it's been in the news, it's been in the media, and most notably, the SEC is rumored to be going to be doing a um, some sort of an appeal with the court case, try to get their L taken off the record. I don't know that they are going to do it. I'm saying that that's the theory that's running around is that they are going to appeal the case and try to get you know their own classification that XRP is going to be labeled as a security and Gary Gensler because he's trying to do everything he can before he gets kicked out of office. So whichever way you go, keep an eye on it. Be careful. I wouldn't FOMO into anything. Don't, don't go chasing green candles. But remember, things that are in the red are likely going to have a run-up whenever Ethereum and Bitcoin are able to recover and we get more money back in the total market cap. Now, the last bit of news I'm going to talk about is I don't know if anybody out listening is following social media to a degree. I certainly don't. It just I stumbled across a video and I thought it was something unrelated. And it turns out it's related to this other business. So I, that's why I'm talking about it now. And that's this whole WorldCoin garbage. WorldCoin, just to put in perspective, so you know, I'm sure you've heard all the chatter because all the young kids can't get enough of the crap because they haven't learned a lesson. You've heard, I'm sure, about the chat GPT. There's a connection from ChatGPT to OpenAI, okay? And then OpenAI, the founder of this thing is Sam Altman. That's the guy's name. Now, just to put a broad on this one, the whole rush to ChatGPT, at some point, society's going to learn a hard lesson about why you stop going all in on AI, why you stop going all in on technology, and why you stop trying to run away from human interactions, and why you are not going to get away from having to learn these things and actually have a tradable skill, they haven't learned. And what's going to happen is some of these businesses are going to say, oh, cool, technology, we don't need to hire people. And then people are going to get cut and laid off. Even if they can't, you know, these tools can't do the job the same way, they don't care. They're doing everything to save money. So then people are going to complain, but my job, I got cut. Yes, because you idiots rushed to this technology blindly when you're not understanding that, first of all, it's flawed. And number two, it's, you need to learn, like you need to learn how to talk. You need to learn how to write. You need to learn how to use a freaking computer. Stop relying on your phone. Actually talk on the phone to people verbally. Stop relying on text messages. Ho figure out how to hold a communication. Figure out how to talk to people. Figure out how to hold down a job. Figure out how to learn a trade. 
Learn something that's going to make you stronger and better instead of complaining about why you're not getting paid a minimum wage or wage without having to work like that's it's all tied together. Society has gone an extreme wrong direction and the governments, I say plural, have not intervened to say, stop, we need to get back to tradesmanship. We need to get back to blue collar. We need to get back to where humans are used and relied upon because here's the thing. Humans are who pay taxes. If we don't have humans paying taxes, we're going to lose tax revenue, which hurts the damn economy. People are going to learn. I'm probably going to be long off this earth before people learn. I'm hoping that archiving my audio of this messaging that I'm giving you right here will persist. And at some point in a distant future, somebody will stumble across it, likely because ChatGPT will plagiarize what I'm saying. And then they'll say, well, geez, this guy was calling it. Is he Nostradamus? No, I'm not. It's obvious. It's obvious. And I say this as somebody who busted his ass when I was coming up as a teenager, only to see these new kids rushing to the new shiny and not paying attention to what the hell's up. So I figure, okay, ChatGPT, just like the whole Pokemon Go, it's got to be a fad. It's got to wear down. It's got to calm down. Then I see Microsoft talking about they're going to create their own ChatGPT. I see all these other companies talking about creating their own ChatGPT. I see all these other like Bing and all this crap where they want to introduce that same crap and then... Uh, with my endeavor that I do outside of podcasting, uh, they were trying to hire some people and they were going through the interview process and they could tell some of the applicants are using chat GPT to answer the question because the applicant was actually asking the person asking the question, say, can you say it louder, please? Because they wanted chat GPT to hear the question so that chat GPT could read out the answer to them on the screen so they could read back the answer so they could pass the, the quiz that is an interview process. Well, the thing is, in the interview process, at least in the United States, they've rushed towards a generic standard. If you've ever applied for a job in the last, geez, 15 years, it always goes the same way. Usually there's a pre-screen, it's usually HR, and they're asking things like, how much money do you want? Are you local? Are you willing to relocate? You know, do you have any questions that I can pre-answer about the job or whatever? It's a waste of time because at the end of the day, none of the stuff they ask matters. Then there's a later interview, and what they're going to ask are about STAR. STAR is an actual interview technique, and it's well-documented out there on the web about what it is. For those that don't know, and trust me, I'm getting to WorldCoin. It all ties together. You'll hear it in a second. STAR, the interview technique, situation, task, action, result. Situation, tell me about a time when, task, you did whatever, Action, what'd you do, result, what was the outcome? The questions always take the same format. And what HR, when I say HR, I'm speaking in the generic sense, HR has created this template that the questions that you ask during the interview process should fit into a STAR model. The reason that they've done this is because they're trying, allegedly, trying to make the question and answer process the same, consistent for every applicant, presumably to make it, quote, fair. The truth is what it does is it makes it to where you can practice. It makes it to where you can cheat because all of these questions and the techniques are very well documented and it's easy to cheat because all you can do is practice, 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 practice on how to answer every question with some bullshit. So then when these applicants get into this process, they could just act like a superstar on the star answers. And the thing is with ChatGPT, since it's all based on available information, now you don't even have to, as a human, go out and do your own cheating. You could just let ChatGPT cheat for you. Yes, you're correct. I know what you're thinking. That person's going to get in that job and they're going to suck at it. 
Yes, but the problem is it costs businesses significant. I speak as a business owner myself. It costs significant amounts of money to go through the hiring process, to go through the screening process, to find somebody, to onboard somebody, to set up hardware and equipment. And the thing, there's trust aspects to it as well. But also there's a confidence build. So you get somebody in there and they're a complete fluff. I'm dealing with this now, actually. They're a complete fluff out. Now it costs money to get rid of that person. It costs money to post again. There's the loss of morale and sentiment. You have to retrain. It's, it's significant. And so, no, I don't like the star interview process. What I've always said to every single company that I'm struggling where I go through an interview process, I, I have to shake my head every time they're asking these stupid questions. And I'm telling them, you need to actually ask questions that cannot be practiced. You have to test them to make sure they're good at the job. You're not supposed to make a generic template that everybody fits into because you know that not everybody fits into the job. You want specific skills. You want the best to go in that role. And I'm sorry, but that does in some way mean some people are going to be put out because they weren't cut out to begin with. That's the reality of life. But because we are so worried about hurting people's feelings, we create generic templates, cars, Cars are the ugliest damn things on the road. And trust me, it'll tie back to Worldcoin. Cars are the ugliest damn thing on the road. Used to be that these car manufacturers would actually go out. They would talk to people. They would say, tell us the kind of style you want. Tell us the kind of features you want. Tell us the interior that you like. Give us feedback. Actually, tell us what you want, and that's what we will make. Is something that you want. If you notice, every damn car out there all looks the same on the outside. They all have the same generic inside. And now, effective as of, what, seven years, if you look at the interiors, they're starting to look even more generic with, well, we're just going to get rid of CD player. Do, do, do. And then they all have the screen. It's all in the same place. They all have the touch garbage. They all have CarPlay and Android Auto and the same. They all have the same crap. They're all removing the same key features that people used to rely on and most importantly. They're all rushing to SUV allegedly because U.S. wants SUVs and doesn't or doesn't want sedans, which is crap. I'm telling you straight. On top of this, then full size sedans. I'm talking boats, you know, large cars because you have large families or whatnot are going away. What they call a quote full size sedan is a joke. So this is all based on generic things. Well, the government says we got to get rid of emission standards, so. Let's all just rush to smaller cars, lighter cars, uglier bodies for aerodynamics and everything else because every, nobody really cares. Everybody wants this and everybody wants an SUV and everybody wants this and everybody wants EV and we'll just make it generic. In the old days, it was we're doing cars that fit people's tastes. Different people want different things. And the price scale made sense. It was expected that your Mustangs of the world were going to be more expensive than the damn Pinto for a reason. Now, the cars are all at least 20000 bucks. That doesn't make any damn sense, but that's, the, that's where they pushed everything. And people didn't notice. People didn't notice that we're being shoved away from sedan, full-size, real full-size sedans. We're being shoved away from key features. We're being shoved away from individuality and choice. And it's costing us more money. Well, guess what? You're not making more money at your job. Do you know why? Because the companies went to a generic standard for how they pay people called a compa ratio. Instead of, you know what, let's negotiate the rate that I want based on my skill and how much in demand I am for you, business, the business has said, we're just going to go with the generic standard of what we see across the nation, even though it's low as hell, and we'll create a range that's arbitrary as hell. And then even if 
Your ask is within the range. It's at the significant high. We don't pay that up front. We're going to put you in the middle because that gives you raises. Doop, doop, doop. Because they want everybody to fit into these model ranges to give you raises, even though the range is a joke because your asking should be your start and instead it's the top. All of this generic, template, standard, one size fits, all of that takes us now into this world of AI because this is, I told you I'm going to tie it together because in an AI world, in order, because I have technology certifications, all you can ask for credentials. In an AI world, in order for it to work effectively, it has to have what? Standards. It has to have predictability. It has to have repeatability. It has to have something that it can rely on. It cannot have personal choice. It cannot have individuality. It cannot have diversity. It cannot have change all the time. It can't have personal taste. It's got to fit into a standard, into a template. So it's perfect. For AI is perfect for the templates that have been imposed upon society that society doesn't realize are bad ideas because that's all the scam. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to make everything generic to prepare for a world where they don't need person's brains. They just need the tool going in there. Okay, so then ChatGPT comes a thing. And it's exciting certain kids because they like to cheat on the essays. Instead of the schools doing the right thing, the schools say, huh, well, maybe we should just get unique and test the kids on what ChatGPT came out with and kind of go with it instead of saying, you know what, you're not going to use that tool here because we already have rules that say you can't cheat on search engines. We already have tools to say you can't cheat on scientific calculators. How is this any different? They flexed. They flexed. Do you know why they flexed? Because they know that's, and I know it sounds like Illuminati, call it what you will, but they know, they know that they've got to have an embracing of the technology. Yvonne et Niage from The Simpsons. They got to have you embracing this crap because it makes it easy to bring it in and then it won't go away. And until it's way too late, people won't recognize when your jobs are gone, even though the damn tools can't do it anywhere near as good as you do, they don't care. When those tools come in and they do a crap quality, when you start getting all sorts of recalls and planes start crashing way more than they do and food start making people more sick because the tools can't keep up, with people, the mind, your ingenuity. When that happens, when that future happens, then you know what people will say? Well, you know, this is, this is bad. Why do we allow this technology? People are not being critical before it happens. And they don't realize it until it's too late. So then in comes WorldCoin. WorldCoin, and this is where it ties together. And you'll say, okay, maybe he's not nuts here. WorldCoin ties to a concept called World ID. World ID sounds good the way they describe it. World ID is designed to be, if you don't know or are not familiar in the United States, we have tons of these different identity-based things. We have ID.me. You're forced to do that in certain services that the government's using. They force it on you, even though it's a private company. And even though this company's been breached, they don't give a damn because the government is too damn lazy to fix their own crap. So you got ID.me, they have a process. Their process is mostly built around mobile smartphones. When you start using regular computers, they suck at it and they'll just fight you on it and they'll even revoke your identity at some points for no damn reason. So you got this, it's broken. You got the Nexus program slash global entry programs that are sponsored by the government. However, that information is not shared with any other government entity. 
when you go to a state, any state in the United States, and you apply for your driver's license, or let's say you apply for an ID, or you apply for a title, they collect up all this identity information about you. They store that information. It's only stored at the state level. They don't share it amongst multiple states. Your birth certificate information is digitally stored. All the record information is digitally stored, readily accessible in your state of birth. It is never made available to any other state. So when they ask you to get a copy of your birth certificate, you, you should feel like laughing because in a proper world, they would already have access to that information because they know where you were born. They should be able to just simply type into the computer, ping over to that state, pull down the information and immediately verify it. Instead, they have to do this piece of paper. The piece of paper takes weeks to generate, even though it exists in a computer and it's printed on largely the same template. It's, it's the same template <laughs> because they went digital. When you need to get a title or a duplicate title, the duplicate title information is nothing more than printed information about the car and the owner of the car. That information exists in a computer somewhere. Explain why it takes weeks to get a title printed out of the computer. It's because there's so many that are being printed. However, they also do a little bit of identity verification before they release the title because they don't want to release a title of ownership to somebody who's not the true owner or who's not entitled to it. No problem. But my point is that the identity verification step in all of what I just described should be singular, can be singular, was never made singular. They never made one source for identity management that everything is required to query against so you're not having to repeat the same information. See, if you've only ever lived in one state your entire childhood and adult life, to you, what I'm describing doesn't make any sense. But if you're like normal people who have at least moved to one other state in your entire life, you understand how painful it is to have to set back up all this crap. When you need to purchase or get a loan of some kind, you need to have a driver's license. You need to have all this stuff. You got to go to the DMV. They can't get your information from the other DMV. You have to present, present all this documentation that's printed. You got to assume that weight and all this other stuff. So to the point, <laughs> World ID comes out talking about its identity network system. It's identity management. It's for financial primarily, but it's for identity management. And the idea is that Although it's doing identity management different than ID.me, it's going to protect your privacy. And it's doing it using blockchain technologies, what's referred to as a zero-knowledge proof system. So it allows people to verify the identity, but it doesn't have any sort nobody else has access to the actual information. They're just validating the information that's been, that's been submitted. So you're like, that seems contradictory. It is. And I'm going to talk about why that raised some red flags. But the thought is, right now, with ID.me, you are forced to give them your identity. It's a private company. You don't know what the hell they're doing with this information. With this system, the thought is, is that if you can, I don't want to say tokenize, that's not the right term, but if you can turn the validation, just the transactional validation, into something that can be verified. It's a unique identifier that can be used and follow you around as you go different places. There's significant impacts, there's significant opportunities. One opportunity that was raised, this is the video that I saw, is the idea that iris scanning, your iris, if you didn't know in your eye, can be used to uniquely identify you, which is why biometrics became a thing in the first place. Your fingerprint can identify you, your iris can identify you. In some places in Japan, they actually have some of these iris scanners in places, and they're ahead of the curve, of course. China as well. 
The thought is, well, we can use this technology and create data elements that are uniquely identified. This technology already exists in some law enforcement, but it's not shared amongst all law enforcement. It is shared at the federal level down to individual states. In some cases, the state can be sent back the other way. But as an example, let's take Colorado. You know, John Benet Ramsey gets killed. They don't, that information that was largely isolated to that local, they couldn't use any sort of large database because it didn't exist. So now you have a time gap. You have a, a gap of time between whatever event and whatever data that would or would not be available. So they couldn't so help solve the crime. Even now, the data was lost. There was damage. There was, you know, all sorts of issues. This is basically saying the data is the data is the data. It would not have changed over a span of time. So if we can turn it into something that is just simply a data element, it won't matter. It'll last the test of time and it won't really matter. And we can always capture it because if we have at least one image from at some point, we should be able to recreate this. Now that's the concept, how factual, how true, how accurate, how likely I can't say, but that's the concept they're describing. So they said initially we want to focus this around financial. This group, came together, led by this chat GPT idiot. They came together. They raised millions and millions of dollars, over $250 million from, invest from investment capital companies to come together and create this world coin, this concept. There's the video, and it's got the iris scanners, and you'll see it out there, and I do encourage you to check it out at times. Backed then around this world coin. So now there's a world coin being traded. This world coin immediately gets listed on Binance, immediately gets listed on Bybit, immediately gets listed on Gate.io. And so it's already out there. It's tradable if you want to take a look at that one. And it's believed that the Optimism Network, which is connected to Uniswap and connected to Ethereum, but the Optimism Network's where you're going to see a lot of the traffic's on this business. So this then started an initial pump and initial run because of FOMO, largely. It started at like 15 cents, went up to as high as $5, settled back down as people took significant amounts of profits, Currently on an upward trend, it's the only token in any recent memory that I can recall that had this type of a launch where it maintained an upward trajectory for an extended period. Now, here's the flip on this. After this all comes out and after the chatter, Idiot Vidalik comes out and he's saying, you know, I got some concerns about this, that there is some privacy concerns, although they presented it as protecting your privacy, Vitalik seems to think that, no, that's a joke, that any sort of iris scanning activity and technology where it's going to be stored in a database somewhere could be, you know, subject to breach, like any sort of data that's stored in a database, that sensitive information could be connected to it, like your gender, for example, where data could be abused, where 3D printing technologies could be used to bypass the system. How would that work? One criticism of this whole face scan, so, you know, sometimes there's a service and it'll say, uh, you know, on your phone, take a selfie and we'll scan it as your identity. Well, that means any photo that's a selfie theoretically could be used to just cheat the system because the tool cannot know that they a real human is there as opposed to a flat photo because it's not able to see the dimensions, the three dimensions. And just going on your iris or just going on your eyeball doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's the same person in play and most importantly, those people of color, as in people who are not Caucasian or fair-skinned, sometimes those cameras struggle. I'm not going to bore you the details about why that struggle, but the truth is cameras depend on, depend on light. The technology of light in general has to do with reflection. Reflection is how you see. So when you're talking to camera or any sort of view technology, 
It works better when light is, ref is reflected back. It's reflected back when you have the Roy G. Biv, right? Light colors. So if you have something that is black, black does not reflect. Brown reflects, but lower. It's hard to see if the light is not significant. You have to have brighter light to be able to see darker shades of brown. This was the criticism with things like IDME and others that use facial technologies or iris scans because they're not even to they're not able to do this. Vitalik's alternative isn't any better at all because Vitalik believes that no, you should just only use a smartphone as a proof of humanity because only a human would be tied to their smartphone. Of course, number one, I don't care what anybody fucking says. Not everybody has a smartphone. Number two, just because it's on the phone doesn't mean that it's the same person. You're not solving the problem. What these idiots don't understand because they're stuck in the technology bubble is you cannot just go YOLO in all feet first into technology to get around a gap in something where we already have a solution that we're just not using. Because we don't, first of all, we don't need a worldwide identity management system because the vast majority of people will never step out of their own country. So that's number one. What we do need is an identity management system that is within the country that's compatible to be transferred to another country in whichever format suits them. Similar to the way that we have exchanges, physical exchanges, where you can change your U.S. dollar for a yen or U.S. dollar for peso or whatever you do, you know, when you go to those exchanges, physically when you travel, similar type of system. We need an identity management that's local to the country. That's already in place. We already have the framework to do it. It's just a matter of forcing it. As in, when you go to a different state, they can automatically download all information they need from your birth state and the state you just came from. You don't need to bring any papers. You don't need to do any facial scans. You don't need to do identity verification beyond. Here's the old ID. They simply query it from the old system to verify that it's the same ID that they see and it's the same person that's depicted upon it. Okay, we download all the information, we create a new profile, and we print you a new card. Here you go. I don't need to copy your birth certificate. I already verified your birth state because, by the way, your birth information is printed on the damn driver's license anyway. We already have the framework to do that. That's what we need to do. Then what we could theoretically do is connect this somehow to an additional set of information around iris technology without relying on it solely. The iris technology should not require a smartphone at all. I don't mind the iris scanners. My concern would be it should not be the only use. It should not be the only use for verification is the iris. The iris is a second dimension of verification. It cannot be required. Some people can opt out of it because it's not going to work for certain people. But it should be a separate, separate dimension. Your primary dimension is the data that we already know, that we already have at the government level, and that should be 95% of the ballgame. Use Iris, for example, to, you know, at the airport, say. So I'm going to allow you to board the damn plane if you do your Iris scanning, you pass it, so I don't need TSA to do the damn thing. Something like that. Sure, I support this. I have no problem with it because they do it anyway. Sure. But no, it shouldn't be you have to do the Iris scan or screw you, you can't get these business services. No, screw you, no. That's my personal opinion. So then, after these idiots chime in back and forth, all these nerds talking about this, that's doomed to fail, a different organization chimes in, and this is a venture capital firm, and they said, do you think this is going to be a rug pull? They asked people, do you think it's going to be a rug pull? And the vast majority of people said yes. They think it's going to be a rug pull. The reason they think it's going to be a rug pull is primarily because it seems lofty, it seems too aggressive, it seems too early. People like the technology, 
But then with all the token and the way that the token was put out and the fact that it ended up on Binance and apparently there was airdrops and everything else, people strongly think that this is doomed to fail. And it might be very close to a squid game type rug pull. That's the reason I told the story start to finish of kids see a new shiny, they jump into a damn thing and they don't learn until it's too late that they stop, right? So I shared it because I wanted you to understand the background and I wanted you to understand the chatter back and forth, the risk, the pros and cons, because again, I'm technology. I'm not tech averse. I just am smart about it. We shouldn't be going YOLO into technology like this sounds like it's trying to do. And I didn't want people to get wrecked. Now, it doesn't say, I can't tell you to do it with your money. It doesn't say not to do anything. I simply want you to be aware what it is, kind of the risks, the pros, the cons, what do I think, so that you can make an informed decision about it. Again, it's out tradable, so if you wanted to trade it, it's nothing wrong with trading it. We'll have to see where this goes. I do think certain countries would reject it, frankly. I honestly believe that. Only because it's so new and so out of the, you know, you got to have oversight. You got to really think it through. And many governments go slow. They go dog slow. So I'm hoping that the governments will say, let's use this as basically a shame, right? We're ashamed that this central country, uh, you know, crypto thing, where we just got schooled in a court, this crypto's coming out and trying to do something that beats us down. Why don't we just fix our own house and get our stuff situated? Because that's going to be better for our citizens. Because, you know, especially the United States government, they just want to protect people. They say they do. So I'm hoping they use it as inspiration to fix their house. And I'm hoping that the kids will learn. Stop. <laughs> Stop. This is, this is wrong. Stop YOLOing into cool technologies. We're not ready for this kind of a thing. And I think that you're going to find a lot of people uh, slowly but surely over time realizing what I've been saying is the truth, which is things like this that sound good, they may be doomed to fail or they may be doomed to run. But the fact that so much money was dumped into it, so many investment companies dumped money into it, fresh out the gate, the fact Binance listed it fresh out the gate should really concern people. I'm saying that true because that should really concern people because it means you got a lot of big players who are motivated to see this thing go. Your privacy be damned because even if it does have claims that it's private, it's still violating your privacy to some degree because something has to process your data to turn it into the private in the first place. And nobody, there's no oversight in it right now. So take a look at it if you choose, I, or I recommend you do, you know, take a look at it. WorldCoin is the name of this business, worldcoin.org if you want to see some more information on the site. It's a plain site. You're not going to see very much of it, but I think, you know, in what they're talking about doing, it's one of those solutions. It's not that it's in search of a problem because it's truly a problem. I just simply think that the people trying to solve the problem are not the ones who should really be trying to solve the problem. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeep and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. 
be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.